But on to my weird week. Um, you know, I, I, the last thing I spoke on was patience in the fruit of the Spirit, which we're going to talk about that. And this last week I was called to jury duty. And uh, this is a, it was a brand new experience for me, and I'm, I'm fully relieved of that. I was not needed for any case, and every pending case was settled. But a lot of my last week was driving to Hennepin Courthouse every day and uh, sitting around and being told to uh, gather my things and sit in another room, uh, to gather my things and sit in another room and then go home and come back the next day. And so it is so good to see all of you uh, <laughs> because I, I, I was just kind of by myself among a bunch of strangers where we weren't even allowed to talk to each other uh, most of the time. So uh, I am now relieved of that for four years, and I'm praying it's longer than that. But you know what I said is never pray for patience because God's going to give you a chance to find patience, and uh, your pastor found a a chance to grow in his patience this last week. So uh, today we're going to move on uh, through the fruit of the Spirit and uh, go on to goodness today. Chris spoke on kindness this last week. And, and before we get into that, just kind of a, a quick uh, recap and overview for all of you. If you're new here, kind of joining in in this series, you know, we're going through the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. And we're looking at each of these characteristics in, in kind of a deeper level and kind of a higher level, really, of, of kind of the biblical view of what each of these virtues Mean, But just, just to make sure we're understanding what this is, it, it, first that all of these nine qualities uh, are, are to work together. And the, that all of these together are the fruit of the Spirit. It's not one thing you do at a time or this lockstep program where you start with love and, and finish in self-control. But if you are a believer, the Holy Spirit is working all of these things in you concurrently. And that's the second most important point is this is God's work in your life. Okay, this is not your work for God. This is the work that only the Holy Spirit can do in your life. And it's kind of a miracle that all of these things grow in us while we have faith and we follow God. This is the Holy Spirit's work uh, to, to develop all these characteristics. And most importantly is that all of these characteristics are not ours. All right, God's not making you into a better version of you. These are God's characteristics. Okay, and so he's making you more Christ-like. And so we have to view all of these things through the lens of who God is, not who we are. And that brings us to goodness today. We're talking about the goodness of God. We're talking about what God has determined to be good, not what we think is good. And kind of like we talked about with the word love, uh, good or goodness is a word that we use to mean a lot of things, a lot of things. And I just thought about this last Sunday with it being Super Bowl Sunday. Many of you probably got together with friends and family and watched the game. But just the word good, you could say, you know, I was surrounded by good friends watching a good game. The 49ers sure gave it a good try. But there was good food. And I had a good laugh at many of the commercials, and it's a lot of work, but I had good help. And afterwards, we gave everything a good clean, and overall, it was a good night. Now, every word I used there, every every time I used good, it meant something different. And we can use good to mean nice, entertaining, tasteful, high quality, thorough, pleasant, Etc. And this is just a portion of the ways we use good. But when we look at goodness in the fruit of the Spirit, it means something 
very different than, than all of that. Goodness, as it's used here and throughout the Bible, is really defined as a moral excellent. It is, it is doing what is good, the opposite of evil. And one commentator said it's the consistent moral excellence that flows from a heart that loves and desires what is good. It's kind of a long definition, but it's basically saying goodness is just simply doing what's right. Okay, and not because you feel obligated to, not because people are watching you, not because it benefits you in some way, but, but doing the right thing just because it's the right thing to do. And it's what you love, it's who you are at the core. And when we look at the word goodness itself, it's actually a word that's found all throughout the Bible, many times, and, and this is somewhat anecdotal, just as I'm, I'm looking through it, but you know, the word love is probably the most frequent fruit of the Spirit found throughout the Bible. I think goodness might be second. It's said a lot throughout the Bible, but I noticed something very interesting, is that every time goodness is found throughout the Scriptures, it's, it's speaking about the goodness of God, not, not the goodness of us. Right, if there's goodness found in us or in creation, it's not because we did it, it's because God made it that way. So it's, it's either talking about the goodness of God or the goodness that God makes. And so true goodness is, is only found in God. And what we quickly learn as we read through the Bible is that we are not, as people, at the center of goodness. In fact, it, it's quite the opposite. Now, only God is good. Okay, only God can determine what is good, and only God can make us good. That's kind of the, the, the intro here before we get into those three points. And, and to make it easier on you today, I'm actually going to keep us only in the Psalms as we start out, because one thing I've heard from many of you is, you know, it's just so much flipping back and forth, it's hard to keep up. I'm making it easier here for you. Open up to the middle of your Old Testament, and we'll, we'll stick in there uh, to start today. But I really want to pray for us before we dig into these points and talk about goodness and how to grow in goodness in our life, because, because I know that we as people often come with a place of pride. And when it comes to goodness, we look at it through ourselves and what we can do for God. But the biblical truth is that it's something that God can only do in you. And it's going to take a, a place of, of humility and surrender before God. So let's pray before we dig into these points today and see what God has to say about goodness. So Lord, I want to thank you uh, for this great work that we're reading about here and that we're going to read together in a moment. Uh, God, that you are working all of these things together in us, but specifically with goodness, God. I, I just pray that, that any of us and all of us who are prone to a place of pride, uh, God, that you would humble us today, that we'd come before you uh, knowing that the exalted are humbled and the humbled are exalted. God, that we understand that goodness is your work. It, it's who you are. And God, we desperately pray that we would be uh, developed and that we would grow in that. So God, I pray for all of us that we come to this place, this appreciation of who you are, but then also, Lord, that we would uh, know that you have a desire to do a good work in us to, to grow our goodness. And so God, I just pray collectively together that that would be true in our lives and that we can just celebrate the work you do. And so we pray these things now in your name, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to have us read all of the fruit of the Spirit together before we get into uh, Psalm 34 to start. But again, part of the, the byproduct of this is I hope that we can have the fruit of the Spirit memorized by the end of this sermon. And I think most of you are doing a pretty good job. 
So let's just read this together, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I saw a lot of you not even looking at the screen, so good job with that. Um, But I'm going to have you open up in the Psalms to start here. We're going to start in Psalm 34. And we're going to look at this idea, as we had stated previously, that, that only God is good. When it comes to goodness, it only comes from God. That only God is good, and God can only be good. This here is in Psalm 34. This is a Psalm of David, in which he writes in verse 8, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And this might be a verse a lot of us are familiar with. There's many songs that have been written throughout this. It's on a lot of greeting cards. But when you really think about what this verse is saying, it's saying that those who know God know that God is good. And these are words that we may not use. At, you know, how do you taste God? Right? It's kind of confusing when you think about it. But, but in this culture, they, they view taste as this intensely personal and intimate experience. And, and I kind of thought of it as like, if we said the world's best cheeseburger was in Maple Plain, Minnesota, you might believe that, okay, if I just told you that, but you wouldn't know that for sure until you go and taste it. And it's the same way with God. Like, you can talk about God's goodness. You can, you can praise him for his goodness. You can hear people exclaim this. But until you really experience God personally, you can't know that. But here it's saying, when you taste and you see the Lord, you, you know that he is good. And, and you're blessed to take refuge in him. Those who truly know God know that he's good and that God can only be good. And so if I were to start this kind of common call and response that many of you are going to know, I can say, God is good, and you'd say, all the time. Those of you who just learned this will try it again. God is good all the time. And we all say that. I don't know where that started and who and when, but we all seem to know it. But the thing is, 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 as you repeat that, God is good all the time, all the time God is good, I know that many of you truly believe that. You know that to be true because you know God. All right, and over and over again in the Bible, it speaks about the goodness of God. And we believe that because we have tasted and we have seen the goodness of God. And this is one of the most basic tenets of the faith is that to believe above all else, no matter what's happening in life, no matter what you're going through, you know that God is good. And all, of, all that God can be is good. If there's something good in your life, it came from God. If there's something bad in your life, there's probably one of two possibilities that, that you're really misunderstanding what is actually good as bad or the bad thing in your life just isn't from God. God is good. God is only good. And God can only be good. And and God wants to make us good as well. And we're going to get to that point in a moment. But the important thing to understand this is when you understand our own 
sin, our own problems, our depravity before God, that God wants to make you good and that he sent his son Jesus to save you from your sin. All right, but if we are saved by God, it's not because we are good. We're saved because God is good. And only God is, is truly good. So when you know God, you know his goodness. And when you know goodness, you know God. Because God is good. It's who he is all the time. And the second point I want to get to is in Psalm 119, if you flip forward in your Bibles. Now this is the longest psalm of all the psalms. And we spoke on patience, so let's put it to the test and just read all 176 verses of, of Psalm 1. No, I'm just kidding. You know, Psalm 119 is broken into a lot of stanzas, and this is kind of the middle of, of one of these stanzas that really talks about the difference between good and evil, knowing what is good, and hating what is, what is bad, and, and clinging to the laws of God. And this, verse 68, kind of says it really straight out. And it reads, you are good, this is talking about God, you are good, and what you do is good, so teach me your decrees. It's this reality, if you believe God is good all the time, it's who he is, what he does is goodness, then, then what he says and what he commands and what he expects of us is also at its core completely good. And sometimes we may not understand it, sometimes in our own fleshliness we don't agree with it. But we know that what he says is good. He himself defines what is good. And this is so incredibly different than our culture, which really is kind of a, a choose-your-own-adventure, right? And, and just follow your heart and your own desires and own inclinations. But we know that our heart, above all things, is deceitful and, and desperately wicked and beyond cure. We can't define for ourselves what is good and evil, only God can define or determine what is good. So a heart of goodness is one that desires what is good. And the only way to desire what is good is to know what is good. And so we have to know what God tells us is good. And so if you stray from goodness, it means you are straying from God. You're not listening to his voice and what he commands of you. And that's why at the end of this stanza in verse 72, kind of comes to this conclusion where he says, the law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. What God decrees is good. And it should be more precious to us than anything that the world can give us. Only God determines and defines what is good. Now, as I said before, God wants to make you good. That's this whole mission and his whole purpose is to, to bring us from any kind of evil and, and bring us into good and to grow our goodness. But the most important point of all that is, is only God can make us good. Right? We, can, we can try really hard to do all of the best things and all of the good things in life, but, but true goodness comes from a good heart. And this is where I'll have you back up into Psalm 51. And we're actually going to stay in this psalm for the next couple of points. I'm going, to, I'm going to have you kind of look at sort of an apex of this psalm, verse 10. And we're going to look at this before we kind of rewind and figure out how we got here. 
But this is uh, a psalm of David, and we're going to talk about the, the kind of the conditions or the context of this psalm in a moment, but, but he's in a broken spot where he's realized he's in the wrong. He's made a big mistake, and he's done what is evil. And he has this very earnest prayer before God in verse 10, where he says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. This right here, this prayer is kind of the key to understanding and exemplifying true goodness in your life that the fruit of the Spirit is talking about. It's not about sticking your head down and plowing through and doing all of the right and the good things and showing God how good you are, but it's simply this moment of saying, God, I need you to kind of redefine and renew me as a person. And he prays, create in me a pure heart, or another word to say it is clean heart here. The only way towards goodness is to have a good heart, to have a new and a clean heart. And that's something that only God can do in you. Now, something to understand here is that a clean heart or a pure heart does not mean a perfect heart. That's how we think of pure in our own minds as perfect. And we will never have a perfect heart in this lifetime. But pure here, clean here, means an undivided heart. And you have to understand the minds of the ancients here to know how they kind of viewed morality and faith. They viewed life, and you see this with the Proverbs, they viewed it as kind of like paths, right? You can choose a path. It's the path of good, the path of life, or the path of evil, and the path of death, right? And when you, once you're on that path, you have to keep walking on the path that you're on. And, and Jesus even kind of referred to this about, you know, the, the path or the road that leads towards righteousness and the other path that's broad that leads to destruction. This is kind of how they viewed things in, in, in their life. And so they thought, if you have a pure heart, a clean heart, you are now firmly on this path towards goodness and righteousness and, and godliness. And it's not like this divided heart where you say, I wonder what they're doing over there on the other path. Maybe I'll just take a quick step over here and just dabble my toe in it and see, see what this path is like. But instead, it's like, I know what is good. I, I do not have a desire for all that. I only have a desire to know God and, and stay with God. And, and I want this undivided heart before him to do what is good. Not because I have to, not because it benefits me in this life in some way, but because I love what is good. And I have this pure heart after that. And now there's this renewed, steadfast spirit in me to keep walking on the path of godliness and goodness. Goodness comes from a heart that loves goodness. And you can do many good things in your life with a rotten heart, okay? Now, I know how many of your parents have experienced the eye roll from your kids. I had kind of the first eye roll moment from my six-year-old. And, and, I, and I say that it wasn't really an eye roll. It was more of like a, ugh, you know? Where we ask him to pick up his toys before bed. Ugh, you know? And he gets it done. He does the good work. But it was with a rotten heart. Was that goodness? 
On the surface, it looked so, but, but inside there was probably a bit of resentment or bitterness. And, and that's how we can be before God sometimes, right? We're doing all of the good things, but it's with a heart that goes, ugh. If you want to be good, if you want to grow in goodness, then it comes from a pure and a clean heart that loves and desires goodness above all else. And that's the key here. And that's this honest prayer of David before God that, you know, he's, he's finding that he's in a, in a bad spot. He says, God, create in me a new, a pure heart and this, this renewed spirit to follow after you. Only God can truly make you good. And so we kind of look into the applications here. I want to kind of rapid fire through this. How do we grow in goodness? How do we personally grow in, in goodness that's rooted in God? I want us to go to the beginning of the psalm to really see how we kind of got to that apex. And, and just the, the further context of what's happening here. This is after David was confronted by Nathan, okay, that, about his sin with Bathsheba. And if you need a quick recap of that, David is just kind of out and he sees this woman bathing at a, on a roof named Bathsheba. And he's like, Dang, you know, I, I, you know that, she looks very attractive and calls her into his, uh, you know, his, his, his uh, courthouse or you know, he calls him into his court and calls her in and, and then she becomes pregnant and then he murders her husband, Uriah. And it's kind of like all this stuff happened and now this is maybe upwards of a year later, the baby had already been born from that adulterous affair. And he's kind of in this moment like, I, I think I kind of got away with this, David is thinking. Nobody really is the wiser except God knew, right? He didn't fool God. And now Nathan comes and confronts him about this sin, and David has this like, moment of like, I messed up. I messed up big. And the way to grow in goodness is, is to kind of just surrender before God and say, I messed up, right? Rather than struggle through it, you surrender instead of struggle. He, he, he comes to this place of just totally admitting his faults before God with this repentant heart and asking God for forgiveness. And this is verses 1 through 4 of Psalm 51 that kind of sets up what we just read. David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned. And done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict. And justified when you judge. And you don't know what happened in this moment. He's confronted about his sin with Bathsheba. God said that the punishment is that the child they conceived would die. This is an incredibly hard to understand thing. But, but he's saying you're right in your verdict and you're just when you judge. But, but just look at verses 3 and 4 of, of what David is saying here. Instead of struggling before God and, and saying, no, I am a good person. I've done all of this good stuff. And, and look at my long track record of good. And I, yeah, I just messed up this one time. Can't, you know, I'm a really a good person. Or, or him saying, you know, God, you shouldn't have made Bathsheba so attractive. I mean, that's not my fault. You made her. And, and everyone else is doing it. And you, you, can, you can make these rationalizations and the struggle in your mind to make Make yourself moral and good before God, but that doesn't make you good. It comes from a place of, of true surrender before God. And listen to what he says here. God against you, and you only have I sinned. 
I've done evil in your sight. No excuses. No struggle. No running. No covering up. He's just honest before God and he surrenders. He starts it by saying, have mercy on me. And that, that's the true way to goodness. It's, it's not proving yourself before God. It's not some personal effort that we can prove to God how good we are. It's this personal surrender to God saying, I need help. I need forgiveness. I need a new heart. I need you to do in me what I cannot do in myself. And you allow God to search your heart and reveal your true motives and you self-reflect on this and, and you repent, you surrender and you move on and you trust God and his work for you. And we know that if we confess our sins that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's there to forgive you and to cleanse you and to remove you from evil and, and into righteousness, into goodness. He not only forgives, but he purifies your heart as well. So if you want to grow in goodness, right, the, first, the first step here is, is to surrender before God. Don't struggle through your ungoodness, okay? Surrender and lay yourself out and allow him to create this new heart inside of you from which goodness will flow. The second point is, is kind of the same idea. You know, David's prayer was, have mercy on me. And this is the same thing we see Jesus repeat in a parable he gave in Luke 18. And, and this parable was given, as it says, we don't know to who specifically, but to a group of people who were confident in their own righteousness. And righteousness here is kind of the same word as goodness. They're confident in their own goodness, and they look down on all the people around them. So the second point here is, is to focus on yourself rather than everyone around you. Right? Focus on yourself first. And this full parable here says that Jesus told this parable to these people that two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, oh God, I thank you that I am not like all these other people out here, those robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector, now again, in this culture, these were like the lowest of the low, the most hated. The tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's kind of built into our human condition to exalt ourselves up by pushing everyone else down. And is there, you know, faults in other people around us? Certainly, certainly. But there's faults in ourselves as well, and, and we're more prone to kind of just put everyone else down and then somehow say, well, you know, I'm not as bad as them. I mean, I haven't, I haven't stolen anything. I haven't, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't done any of those things that all those other people did, so I'm a pretty good person. Right, God? But we all come before God 
with sin. Goodness is not to be compared against other people, but it should be you in comparison to God. And when you do that, you're going to find that you're going to have faults. You're going to have sin that needs forgiveness. And you focus on that first. If you don't think that Jesus is funny, he has this hilarious moment in Matthew 7 where he talks about kind of like log in the eye syndrome. You know, like, don't look at your brother and, and talk about the speck of dust in their eye when you have a log hanging out of your own. And it's, you get this idea of as this person who can only focus on those around him with this giant fault, and, and he's swinging around and, and pointing at people, and everyone's just kind of ducking around him. And, and he says, like, take the log out of your own eye before you try to take the speck of dust out of your neighbor's eye. Goodness is a pursuit that is between you and God. And it's only something God can do in your life. So focus on yourself first and then on those around you. And finally, I think this is an important one to hold on to because we have so much input in our lives. We have so many things that we can listen to and and watch and, and intake. Just focus on what is good. Hold on to what is good. Okay, and in Romans 12, it says that we are to hate what is evil and to cling on to what is good. And that's a, a shorter way of saying uh, this in Philippians when Paul is clo- closing up the letter. He says that finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What what are you filling your mind and your heart and your energy with? Is it what's good and what's right? You think about ultimately where we're going for eternity, where, you know, we all should have the confidence if you're a believer in Christ that you'll have eternity in heaven. There will be no evil there. All that will remain for eternity is what is good. So if you're holding on to something now that isn't good, you're going to have to let go of it at some point because you're not going to hold on to it for eternity. All right, cling on to what is good. Think about eternity. There will be no room for evil there. Only good will remain. But as we conclude today, I just want to remind you that goodness, it, it starts... It continues, it it ends with God. Only God is truly good and God is only good. So if you want to know goodness personally, you have to know God. And if you want to grow in your goodness, you have to surrender your life to God and his leading. And if any of you are falling short in something today, I just want to remind you, you're not alone, okay? We're all in that together. We all make mistakes, we all sin. But just ask God for help. Ask God to create a a clean and a pure heart. Ask God to examine you. and, And when you ask him for forgiveness, he will forgive you. And he will cleanse you from unrighteousness. As we read in Psalm 23, you know that his goodness and his mercy will follow you all the days of your life. God is good. So seek him and trust him to make you good. Let's close in prayer today. Lord, as we uh, close this message, we know that this is just a percent 
of what we could have talked about today and, and your goodness that, that is spoken about frequently. But God, I just, I just pray that everyone that's listening to this, that's here today, would, would truly believe that, that, that you are, in fact, good all the time. And, and there's, there's nothing, God, that you do that is not good, that you work all things together for the good of those who love you and are called to your purpose, that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. God, we believe that everything good we have experienced in this world is, is you, and all of the good that is inside of us is, is because of you. So, God, I just pray we'd be a people that is, is more dependent on that, that we'd seek you, and, and we seek all of your, your commands, God, knowing that it's for our good, it's for the good of all of us. But God, I just pray as we, your people, do that, that we submit and surrender before you, that you would take that moment of humility to grow our goodness, God, and that we can uh, just be a light in your world through the goodness in us. But God, we just thank you that this is a work that only you can do, but more importantly, this is a work that you choose to do, that you love to do. And God, may we just love that work as well. So God, we thank you for this, for your fruit in our lives. And God, we pray that we grow in this goodness day after day. We pray this now in your name, Jesus. Amen.